Hello, and welcome to Six Sheets Under. My name's Reggie, and today I'm joined by two what I consider longtime friends of the show, and I've even participated in one of their other podcasts before, so I'm going to let them go ahead and introduce themselves. <laughs> you didn't say who's to go first. Israel. That's the joy of the chaos. <laughs> the joy of the chaos. So I'm Isoellen. Um, Isoellen writes on Facebook and Isoellen on Amazon. And I am a writer and have a podcast called Isoellen Writes Stories for Adults. And I'm a huge fan of Six Sheets Under. One of the originals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being locals, you know, kind of uh, helped me uh, uh, really want to buy into that whole six sheets under thing i just thought that was so cool that i would could connect with podcasters who are local to me and who's that other guy that we're sitting with today the other guy who stays quiet until you get me on the roll yeah it's, i'm not gonna yeah, let you do that because you know i'll take over so <laughs> it's okay it's all right i you know me i'm always i i try to be a gentleman at all times brandon farrow everybody how you doing um author of whisper and also author of a glorious enemy men love romance too and so i've brought you both here today so we could talk romance and talk smut and talk the writing process uh, let's get into it as well and this is your this is your if it, the hardest <laughs> stuff has always been as well in place i i <laughs> the harder stuff the harder yeah. stuff Yes, I call it the harder stuff. <laughs> we should just talk okay. about when you read Catherine's Moon book, your response, which was so amazingly classic. <laughs> Are we really going to get, we're going to get to the Lady of Rooksgrove Manor? Okay, fine. That was not romance. That was not romance. That was not romance. I'm sorry. When I opened the first okay. chapter and I look at it, that's not romance. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's make a distinguish then. So, what's the difference between a romance and a smut, oh, or a rag, Lord. as they would say? You're uh, you just want to start a battle right from the beginning, yeah, don't you? I I already said this was going to be kind of a duel. <laughs> it's not a duel. This is not a duel. Even, and this is the thing: Iswellen and I, we even kind of agree on this. We understand that romance will always have more plot than it will smut. That's 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 a given within romance and smut and smut writers just about everywhere. Yes. What is the biggest? What is the bigger question? What is the underlying question? Is how much how much smut to plot is it before you can call it proper smut? And then the other question is how explicit is the smut? And then you have to subclassify it into a genre of, okay, does it fall under, you know, does it fall under clean smut or is it, is it dirty smut? Is it filthy smut? Is it traumatic <laughs> smut? Or are we going straight dark smut? Dark smut, euphemism smut, all the different smuts. So this is how I, um, how I uh, look at it though. I don't break it down that way. Now, the thing that Brandon is saying though, is that Amazon and booksellers 
do break it down that way. But I don't think romance readers um, break it down in quite that way. They might, um, they tend to either want um, a, uh, a steamy book or a sweet book. Um, um, some of them will have uh, red lines that they cross in their steamy as, as to what they consider triggers or not. But yeah, they either want steamy or sweet. And the difference between romance and straight smut, romance and erotica, is pretty simple. Um, I think that romance for most readers is the romantic journey between a couple from start to finish to their happily ever after. It can also these days that couple, and this is where that particular wonderful book that I mentioned um, brought up with um, Brandon, that couple can be a a, a, a harem. It can be a threepole. It can be a fourpole. It can be a five. I don't even know all the, all the ways to say it, but um, that couple can be a, between one or 10. It can be between and, and all genders. Genders don't matter, but it is the romantic love journey. And that romantic love journey to the happily ever after or happy for now can involve lots and lots of um, intimate coming together <laughs> and that's where you get the difference between the spicy and the sweet now the particular book that um uh brandon is reading the female character in that wanted to bring company and relief to um several kind of unique characters who were not non-human unique characters and <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, do you have a rebuttal or anything to add before we let ISO totally take over the episode? Take, totally take over. There's there is no rebuttal, so so to speak. What I will say is this: is that she and I have been bashing horns over this for quite some time. When it comes to romance, especially when it comes to smut, okay, you there may be a happily ever after. But it will not be to perhaps to the tastes of what older romance readers may have defined as a happily ever after. Oh, good um, Lord. Kathleen Woody Wuss would, would and L Joanna Lindsay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that if they were to read some of the dark romances that are coming out today, that uh, they would absolutely just have their, their jaws dropped and howling in laughter because this is not what they wrote. Well, what I they, you know, you do have to say they that they laughing and saying, way to go. What they had, they did have non-consent. They did have forced seduction, but the way they did it was less mm -hmm. raw. So, I mean, they had some of the elements. Um, what I didn't say is the erotic and erotic books are, is the personal journey of one person, um, personal erotic journey of one person from beginning to end it um there's no there can be elements of romance but really that's about personal discovery between one or more people um, um rather than a romantic the and what drives a romance book is that couples that relationship journey and i think the uh, the book that um i i brought up um catherine she has some amazing books but um that particular book had a lot more, the romance took place in, you know, intimate ways rather than in um, long conversations and walks on the beach. You can use the title of the book, yes? Yes. 
Yeah, okay. we can use the title of the book. I just yeah, don't want to say it wrong. Yeah. And so I don't have it in front of me and I'll say it wrong and I don't want to do that. So. I'm very sure that Miss Catherine will not at all be mad at us for mis- <laughs> it's a great book and I, I i know a lot of women these days would enjoy it but it's not um known for its uh it, it's it's in comparison to some other print books that are out now that brandon does love and is a great fan and, and promoter of um it's 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 it stands alone it stands in its own separate genre there's really no comparison it is a different but it's still romance and so brooks grove manor i would argue is on the borderline between an erotica smut slash romance and the reason i say that is only because it is a very it is a first person retelling uh it is wonderfully edited by by any standard. You can say it is wonderfully edited. Um, the story really does it, it. It mixes the genres very, very hard because she has a reverse harem. So it is reverse harem. I wouldn't classify it as dark romance because she is not traumatized per se. She has had to live under certain scruples that she wants to break free of but she is primarily just discovering her sexuality. Now contrast that with another book that I just recently read, which is another first person retelling, um, which is The Sneaky Lass by uh, Kennedy Sutton. Kennedy wonderfully edited, edited all the same, but this is a pure romance. And I was actually going to say too, I, I'm, I'm reading, evaluating my my pepper scales and i'm instead using alcohol content (laughs) (laughs) fair enough speaking of the lady is a whiskey i'm sorry (laughs) speaking of genres you both write in very different universes so brandon i'm going to start with you because you have two books that are comparatively very different from each other because you have one that's a sci-fi futuristic one and one that's set in the regency era yes yes and so you were born in a blizzard and you're a military vet from what i've read yes, sir. <laughs> i love that profile for you so you so glorious enemy was written before whisper flashpoint correct oh no whisper flashpoint was written before uh glorious enemy Oh, I was looking at the uh, online. It says it was published 2021 and Glorious Enemy was 2020. It was published. Yes, it was published. A Glorious Enemy. Uh, okay. I am undiagnosed ADD and mm-hmm. I'm neurodivergent. I'll say it like this. Um, after I wrote a fan fiction of Cressley Cole uh, for Wattpad, I also had a start for a uh, romance this was back in 20, I want to say 2020, yeah, 2020 or 2019. But while I was doing that, um, I had been working on Whisper, the the sci-fi universe Whisper, for just about seven years. Mm-hmm. So I've been building up this Whisper game for that long, but I ended up posting 
I, I ended up getting bit by the bug and I read a whole crud load of Lisa Kleypas and Tessa Dare and Sarah McLean and Christina Britton and a whole bunch of other romance authors. And I was like, you know what? I want to be like them. I want to be as good as them. Hang on a second. I wrote up a glorious enemy and that was the first one that got published. Okay, so, I got you. Those yeah. are so some there's... amazing classic authors, just so you know, that he mentioned. They are authors that um, something in the genre now, more people need to read them before they start writing. But anyways, go ahead. So moving <laughs> moving forward, which one is going to be your uh, focus? Ooh, I'd really like to try and get Glorious, the, the Glorious series finished first because it's just going to eat the hell out of me until I, until I go big. It really is. Gotcha. And, but at the same time, I also have a friend um, who has asked to step up and write in my universe. Mm-hmm. And I have another who has offered to uh, do up the rules. So I'm going to take him up on that offer and I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and kind of loosen up the reins a little bit on my creativity. Very That's cool. always nice getting participation create a whole universe it's uh it's been it's been a long journey and it's been tough but my and especially i i honestly feel like my friends also they deserve an opportunity to to write their own stories because some of them have lived uh lives that were even more impactful than i am that's always fun to get more people involved as i've learned doing this podcast the more people like it just it always uplifts you as well, having more people join in, you know? Yep. And speaking of universes, ISO writes for a very specific universe that I just found out some things about today. Would you like to describe what you write in? No, I wouldn't. (laughs) I want to know what you found out. What did you find out that surprised you about? I did not know. I did not know that the Omegaverse started as supernatural flat slash fic. Yeah, you didn't know that. I And you know what? I have tons of friends that are supernatural fans that have tattoos. I was married to a supernatural fan. And still, I had never heard of supernatural slash fic. And I didn't <laughs> know it became like a whole global thing. It became a whole global thing. And then, but the Omegaverse, the, 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 so it it I think I and I cannot don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure it was actually around before that in a way. Um, Omega I, started as a way to um, to ex, to explore gender roles in in new ways and included male pregnancy. Yeah, I I read that male pregnancy was a big part of it, and so, I I'd read that it kind of started with the in 20 the 2010s when supernatural is doing werewolf episodes and so they added that to it but i think before that there were versions of omegaverse in japanese and Spanish. yeah it's really um, popular in japan and south yeah, korea i found exactly so um that is where it starts and there's there's some canon rules in that in that it's human um, but uh, there are alphas and omegas, which mirrors very closely a dominant submissive dynamic. Um, and they can be in, when it started, it was, you know, both, it was one gender or um, transgender. And um, 
uh, but it still mirrored that kind of alpha and omega and beta dynamic. Um, the uh, omegas um, would go into heat the way a werewolf or a animal would, and the alphas might go into rut in response to that heat and um, the omegas nest, which is very weird for some people because they're, they're like nesting, but they forget that pregnant women often nest. It's, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not a new term. Yeah, it's not a new term. It's just used in um, the world as a more common, you know, known thing that the men know about as well as the women. And there are some, some kind of gentle protocols involved in the nest that um, are lean towards instincts. Um, those are those kind of behaviors the nesting and the rutting and the heat that's pretty canon um and then um the human aspect is also very you know part of the genre although there are, are twists on the genre they do do they there are books that you will find where they call them omegaverse and they are werewolf shifter books or other kind of shifter books that's not necessary and in those books they are kind of following some of the the rules but it, any genre with writing has a you know it has its flexibility and its creativity mm. and so when I'm writing it, when I say Omegaverse, I'm writing um, male-female Omegaverse. I'm writing it in um, with Alpha and Omegas, with um, dominant submissive characters. My worlds have betas as well, and those betas are the... Um, uh, they're not just straight humans without any kind of response. They just have less than the kind of traits of the alpha and omega. And um, I do have humans that are straight humans in my world. So that respond. Um, and it depends. I have actually now, I think I have in print three worlds separate mm -hmm. universes. And yeah, I was trying to, I was trying to look them all up and piece them together. <laughs> I counted and, six books and two <laughs> short stories. Yes. So I have two Omegaverse universes. I have one fantasy Omegaverse universe that's not published that you can find on Wattpad. And, and so I will eventually have three or four different Omegaverse universes where I play with the rules, but I generally will write what I know, which is um, the male-female dynamics. Um Another key thing within the Omegaverse, which gets a lot of flack, <laughs> is that part of the uh, relationship and the intimacy is a bond and a um, and some some anatomy pluses. Yeah, speaking <laughs> of the anatomy, can you explain nodding to me? No, I can't. Look it up. <laughs> I did. That's why I wanted you to talk about it. There's, yeah, no, no the no, Omegaverse has some really interesting terms like just, nodding, just the slick, look it up, you know, the catching. Look. Oh, the slick. No, you know, just look it up. Um, look up the, but those things, the nodding and the slick and the catching, those things are all pretty canon. They're pretty, um, yeah. they are things that readers like and expect from the genre. But no, I'm not going to explain it. Go read a book. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No. So no. people need to look up a manual before they read your book. <laughs> I actually do have a manual on my Wattpad page. It's is well Okay. And um, it is a guide to how I write Omegaverse and um, include some of those terms. Yes, it does. All right. <laughs> so when you guys are writing your stories, I mean, I've always as a writer started out with a key concept. And then by the time I'm about halfway through the book or through whatever I'm writing, the characters have basically taken over the story. And I start writing for the character more than my original plot line that I had set out. Do you guys come across that when you're writing at all? Or do you have it pretty planned out when you start? I'll let Brandon answer that because I'm curious. I don't know. How do you do it, Brandon? I'll be frank. This is probably where my ADD and my ADHD come in because I literally do. I don't have a plan. Um, I'm very much a, a bug bites me and I start, I start with a, usually it starts with a scene and it may be, it, it may be just an inspiration and I'll see it as a movie in my head. Um, but after a time, what'll happen is I'm as a pantser, I will plot out, I will plot, but it really just flows as, as, as a pantser. It really just flows from dialogue. I want to have conflict resolution. I want to have communication. I want to input um, touch and go back and forth, ebbs and flows of uh, the conversation so that when you finally get to the point where, you know, you reach the, well, in between after, once you've done all the dialogue, then I can input what they're doing while they're talking and I can input background into the the setting, so to speak, as well setting dressing. If I if I do it any other way, it usually is because I prepared it that way in my head, and it flowed out that way. However, uh, that was actually something that came up uh, several times in the last couple of months was that readers would read a glorious enemy and say it was a really difficult to get through the first four chapters because I have to front load especially as historical romance, I have to front load a lot of information about the characters, about the setting, about the history, because people don't know. And many people do not know, I should say. Many people do not know. And thus I have to try and break it down for them a little bit and give them some sort of understanding of the times, the the current events, and the the place that the characters are in. Because it is mine is not Omegaverse, mine is not an alternate reality. This is our history adjacent. I try that not. Is, that is very similar to a lot of fantasy style books, too, though, in a way, isn't it? Like where they kind of have to set the world first, even if it is historical, like you're saying, not a lot of people know that much about 1812. So you are kind of stuck in that situation of having to even though it is true or like an actual setting, you still have to say, here's the world, here's what's going on. I can say that Kennedy Sutton did it um, in a different manner, but she did it in a, in a first person telling and the way that she, and, but she, one of the things that I admired about how, how she set it up, she set it up so that basically she could splice out the information, you know, piece by piece as, as you started out. 
but you have to go into that thinking that a you're a human woman b you're a whore c you are struggling with life that is that that is the the viewpoint that you are put into like literally from the very first line mm. and after that she unfolds as the character learns about the lifestyle of a pirate over the course of the book so you're and, learning and along with the character basically so you learn along with the character and that i mean i i i approve and i applaud her 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 work on that in my regards because i'm self-edited and self-published probably i front-loaded a lot more at the front and then after about the first four chapters I was then able to just take off and let the let the conversation flow a little bit more smoothly and do less of the exposition that I had at the beginning. Well, that'll least, make writing a sequel easier too then, right? Um, I hope so. I mean, <laughs> the, the sequel, the, if, I, if the sequel was the thing about, well, wait, hang on a sec. Let's go over to Iswalen. Iswalen. How what? is it you finish up? I mean, how many more sequels do you have to finish up? Uh, one, two, three, four, about five. <laughs> six. Five. Never mind, six. Well, because of all those worlds, because I love creating worlds. Um, uh, yeah. So, but I, I don't know, because you write historical, I think that, and because you got to understand that there is a difference between, um, you know, the reader, historical readers love the history. And so if, if Brandon writes a scene with a corset and he gets the corset, how it's set up wrong, they're going to notice. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, thank you for <laughs> noticing that. Uh, and oh. if if he uses the wrong kind of pistol, not all of them will notice, but some of them will because they pay attention because they love the genre, the whole the, part of the reason they love the history of the romance book. And um, they're not idiots. <laughs> and so sure. when I'm making when I'm writing a book and I'm writing fantasy, I get to make every stinking thing up. And so I can't get I I'm less like as long as it's reason makes reasonable sense it um and fits in the world it's it's a lot easier I just think that it's one reason why I'd, I love historical novels but um it's one reason why I don't write them because I'm I worry about messing it up and you know all the people come you didn't put the right layer under that 14th century bodice <laughs> There's so, only so much you can do. <laughs> so what about your writing though? I so I start like when I have I have I have ghosts that surround me all day and are start whispering. And when I start writing about them, they take over my brain. Um, <laughs> um I write character first. I write, I get an idea for either the female or the male, and then for that person's partner. And then I sit down and start writing them and they tell me what their world looks like. Or if I have a world already, they have to tell me how they fit into that world. They have to tell me um, how, uh, 
who they I have a sense of who that character is, what type of character they are. And because my focus is writing, every couple has a romantic identity. I don't think I don't think a lot of writers really approach it that way. But um, I think some of the good books, if you look at books like Cressley Cole, um, which are some of Brandon's favorite, and you think about it, every couple has a way, a, a, a certain little thing in their interaction that makes them different, that makes their romance, that makes their intimacy, that makes everything about them different from every other couple. Um, even though some of the, the setup, the dynamics, the looks, you know, might be some of the feel repetitive to some people who like way different kind of books. There's always something unique in there, how that couple comes together. And so, I have to have that identity. It has to, I have to have that within the first few chapters. I have to know what that's going to look like or else I have a lot of trouble. Um, the couple always, they tell me what the world looks like. They tell me what they, um, how they're, you know, whether the, their character is formed in and shaped in their experiences in that world. And so I tend to write so from a blank page like sitting around a, you're sitting around a table with tea and you're these, this couple is literally see, seated across from you in their full regalia after everything that they have, you know, after everything that they've gone through and they're telling the story to you and you're writing the story. Yes. I cannot. I try my first book that he, I had been reading some Omega verse books and I had an idea what kind of character I wanted my male character to be. And I wanted him to be kind of um, I wanted him to be an antihero. I'd always wanted to write an antihero. I really love the Riddick character. I wanted to write an <laughs> Omega verse Riddick. And I was going to I sat down to do it. I had and he was going to be foul mouthed and he was going to be a little bit dangerous and unpredictable and i ended up with oh, a character really? that kept telling me stop it i am honorable i follow through i keep my promises i am very black and white and i could not write that character he would not he was silent he was gone i kept having constantine kane was like no you were going to do it this way this character um, Sasha needs me and not that other guy. You can wait and write him. I am first. And every time I tried to veer into, I set it up. He was Constantine King, the warlord. I set it up so that he could be an underworld warlord in this like, dystopian world. And he's like, nope, I'm the son of the king. I am trying to reform everything. <laughs> I could not. So he took over. Exactly. It was like he sat across from the table. And every time I tried to veer and go back, he's like, nope, that's my brother. That's not me. You're going to have to wait to write that character. Damn. That's, that, that sounds even more horrible than what I go through. <laughs> and, and, and it is horrible because some of the twists in the stories, I don't know how they're going to come together. And so I get to the middle of the book and it could all fall apart at any moment. <laughs> I had, um, but there are like in my fantasy books and my um, Orkai series in my um, uh, 
uh, the Orkai series has kind of a fairy tale twist to it. And I needed it to come. It needed to have a fairy tale, strong fable ending. All of them do. They need to have a point. Like the first book is, um, uh, Corin and she has no luck. So she needs to, that's how it starts. That's who she was. She was this clumsy, luckless girl. Nobody loved her. Nobody wanted her. Um, she didn't really fit in her family. Her mother died when under a, a cursed moon when she was born and her whole life was cursed. And I needed that character. It had to come around and she had to get some luck. And how was that going to happen? So with so it sounds like you both kind of like right on the go like you said by the seat of the pants yeah does that answers <laughs> does, does that make it harder to do something like a sequel or a series because yes. you don't know where it's gonna go yes it answers i think, I think it does. by and large i think we we will admit whereas a plotter will have literally like a, a, a 50 point powerpoint there I honestly believe that I feel like that they're more OCD about it so that they will, or they are more organized in a way. Oh, like so a much point. more organized. Are you kidding? I mean, and in the meantime, we're basically just sitting there looking at our, looking, you know, at the sky, kind of like musing about it. And it'll, it'll take us, you know, a month or, or two months or however long the character decides, but it could take, you know, a, half a year before suddenly just inspiration suddenly comes back and says hey by the way instead of because this happens this happened this has happened to me and this is why i haven't released foe just like his the characters stop talking and when the when the character stops talking the whole book just stops or i don't like the character I'll be like, I don't like you as a person. I can't relate to you. Stop talking to me. I don't really care about you. I don't want to write this story. And you try to make them likable, but because that character is who they are and they are fully formed, you have to find the way to find out you need to sit with them and find out who they are. And if you don't like them, that's really hard. One of my, um, One of my alpha books, uh, the third book, which is a novella, um, Fee's book, I made her in her, she's an older sister. She's a little snooty. She's a social climber. She kind of is very um, uh, relaxed about her relationship. She kind of got expected her mate to cheat on her. She never really bonded. And so she's very bitter and, and negative about the world and superior. And I did not like her and people were asking for her story. And so I had to find out why she was the way she was. And it ended up opening this whole, people are like, well, you could have done more because it opened this whole conspiracy with her mother and the society and all this stuff that, to be honest, I really don't want to get into (laughs) because trying to find that there's stories there, but taking the time to write them and do them justice is exhausting and really emotional. I don't, I want to write escapist fantasy romance. I don't want to write deep emotional storylines that have Getting to too real for the, yourself. Yeah. That have to connect with the reader fee was she, um, she had had miscarriages. She had um, ended up being diagnosed as being infertile. And that's a really, really touchy subject when you're writing to women who have suffered that I did not want to go there. It was scary. 
but people were asking for her and this is who she was. This is what had made her who she was. And it was for as short as a book, it was really hard to write. I didn't want to write it. And I've, I've, I, I, those, my third Orkai book is really hard like that. My next alpha book, which where I have to redeem a character that people think was a molester of children and they hate him. Um, I have to redeem him and make him likable. I know how that's going to look. I have the plot, but I am terrified to write that book. <laughs> people are waiting for it. And I am really terrified I, how to to write it so that it still speaks to the reader and they end up liking him, which is part of the wonder and skill of some of the stuff that we get to write is we write unlikable characters. And then by the end of the book, you like them and you fall in love with them. And um, that's one reason why I love this genre and why I love putting all the, the kinky fantasy stuff into it. Okay. Speaking of kinky, this one's especially for you, ASO Ellen, because you threw this question at me in the last episode. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. What do you think is a trope that's overused when it comes oh, to Oh, what do kink? I think is a trope? A kink trope? thats They're all overused. <laughs> oh, see, you, you threw that question at me. Now you're not going to answer? No, because they are all overused. There's no underused um, trope that uh um i don't do you have one that you refuse to write there are a few i don't like the um um i'm not a big fan of second chance romances i don't write uh um this what is it it's may december what is older women younger men i don't um i won't write um the um i won't ever you won't ever catch me writing a beta male because even though there are there are wonderful books out there about them i write fantasy i write escapist and i write all my characters when it comes to their characteristic traits or over the top there's for a reason because it's fantasy and i want it to be fantasy um i won't write um What's not, I, I love enemies to lovers, and that is a very common, especially in the paranormal, um, in werewolf and shifter and, and enemies to lover or wrong side of the tracks or um, older man, younger woman. I write a lot of that. Um, some of the, I can't think the, uh, yeah, mostly the second chance ones. I just, they bore me to death. I'm, I'm like, if, and, and then I'm, I'm bitter. I'm a bitter old lady. I'm like, (laughs) if you miss out on your first chance, fine. You lost it. You don't get a second chance. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I was getting that vibe. That is not the, I mean the, 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 or the rejected comes back or the secret baby which is the thing. Some people actually like that. You know, you have the one night stand or you have a relationship and then you break up and she's pregnant and he doesn't know. I don't love secret baby ones. Um, ah, but those are like the Maury Povich episodes. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like to stay away from the Maury Povich unless it's the outlying um, family members. What about you, Brandon? You got a trope you refuse to write? uh trope or kink either or you can pick brandon's not a kink writer 
I am not a kink writer, um, but I am including a few kinks in my writing. Um, Some of of your scenes, yeah. Bondage especially is coming. I was about to say, yeah, if you're doing Regency era, I imagine ropes are involved. There is some all that rigging. There's there's some hemp involved. It's not just rope. If it if it comes off if it comes off a a ship, it's a hemp. It's a hemp line. (laughs) Historically (laughs) accurate kinks. There, there might be some hemp lines being used on a certain female pirate because she's a, a really stubborn Spanish. Is she a pirate or a privateer? She's a pirate. Uh, How are you writing your independent Regency woman, though? I mean, I don't. Daughter to a daughter to a long ancient family of Spaniards from a minor house in uh, the in the Iberian Peninsula. Uh, Father dies at Trafalgar. Paloma then becomes, then watches her mother pass away, sadly, because her mother gets addicted to opium and she overdoses eventually after dehydrating herself. Um, She's the lone survivor of her line. Her uncle is not at, uh, is not really in the picture just then. So she is left to try and try and try and join houses with another house um in the process um (laughs) so basically you write kick-ass you found a way to write kick-ass women in a historical i i did i did (laughs) so that for me that is um there are aspects of that that make me uncomfortable because I don't feel um, it may be historical accurate, but it's not my favorite way to read historical. Um, like the the captured princess, I don't mind if she stabs, you know, the guy who wants to carry her away a couple times, but I don't like the sense of... Um, kickassery i guess i don't know the there is a, there is something about that uh in strong independent i'm not sure i need anybody woman in um in historicals that may that that is a trope that i'm not going to uh, yeah, i will say this i don't that, enjoy that you put in there with the i don't need a man that i understand i, I grasp that people have been saying that forever and a day but as as a fan of Crusty Cold and as a fan of of Tessa Dare and as a fan of uh, some others, you and I both know that the ultimate point of romance is that they are stronger together as a couple than they are apart. That is true, um, and those are all great authors for that. I never felt, even though they're women, some of them there are a couple Crusty Cold books that that aren't my favorite but um well and iso ellen you generally write more along the lines of even if it's subtle more of a sub dom situation with your characters i very much do my first book so she was you know taking care of her family her mother was dying her mother hated her um i mean tried to kill her hate her hated her but she was trying to protect all the people around her, but she knew in her society, she couldn't do it. So her biting the bullet was, well, I'm not going to wait for a mate to find me. I'm going to go and find him. But that did not change her. She wasn't afraid of who she was 
in the bedroom or anywhere else. Um, it, it, she was still submissive, but at the same time she chose, I always, um, the in Omega verse, one of the tropes that is pretty common is that the omegas are undervalued. They are considered breeding stock or sex toys or, or, um, uh, just, uh, who may not even be aware of what their dynamic is. And so they are undervalued and not cherished and not sought after and don't have a lot of agency um, to make choices. I put my omegas in that world, but I give them agency and strength and confidence or the need to make choices on their own. Um, part of one of my taglines is omegas choose, but alphas always dominate. And I was thinking, um, primal right now, something that's really popular is a lot of kind of primal, um, uh, primal raw writing, which you find in Omegaverse. And I was like, you know, what, how would I make turn a scene upside down so that it was primal, but she what? wasn't what the, makes a scene primal um well let me let me if you had a forest chase scene where the male was hunting down the female in like a heat situation where he's in rut and she's in heat but she doesn't want to be caught like a stallion mare situation the mare almost always runs right they have to even though she's in heat she still runs so that kind of chase scene so what if i turn that upside down and made the alpha intelligent and he wants his omega to be in a state a frenzied state of need where she's not going to hold anything back and she's going to take what her body needs what if i turned it around and she has to chase him he's still in charge but she's chasing him to get her physical fulfillment and emotional fulfillment it's so a role same, reversal kind of deal it's, it's role reversal but he's still the dominant because he's still the one setting it up. He's still setting it up, but she's going to be in charge and get to choose. So I think the, in, in Omegaverse, that kind of scene has not happened yet. It's very rare. Um, uh, Omegaverse is known dark. It's known as a dark romance with a lot of non-consent or consent, non-consent or dubious, you know, forced seduction consent kind of thing. Um, and so turning it around that way where her, she's in a state where I think that's going to work for uh, another book. I um, haven't you just decided. haven't written it yet. Yeah, that character is coming around. So, um, and I think readers will like that because it's a role reversal and yet it's not. And so that kind of primal chasing though is really, it's, thank you, TikTok. <laughs> thank you, TikTok, because it's one of those things that you start to see on TikTok that readers are talking about or engaging with or um, responding to um, from other videos. Speaking of TikTok, you guys are both kind of independent authors and in like indie. And, we are indie. Yeah. We are not, we are not who is it? Saunderson indie who can go and put his his I'm writing a book. Why don't you support my book for what? <laughs> How much money? I think it was Saunderson fantasy writer. Million. Yeah. So I'm gonna and then they and then they advertise it indie author crowd funds for 20. I'm like this. So what no. role 
what role does social media play in your guys self-promoting because i know you both i know you both through twitter that's how i met you both of you but now you're both on tiktok and you know sharing your books what kind of impact does that have on your writing or getting your writing out there getting the writing out there i couldn't do it without social media how would you sell how would you find the readers i don't stand on a corner and like you know tell they don't come they ignore you (laughs) yeah and that's one of the things that's been hamming me up is that in in my my genre a is not as it's not the in thing right now um dark romance is really uh tiktok and especially uh, spicy book talk book talk i love them but i've been shunted off into dark romance and fantasy romance and i'm literally just kind of like where's all the historical romance readers because you know people always say oh you're you're a you're an indie author you must not either either they say oh you must be doing well or they say you must be you know you must not be that good because oh you you don't you couldn't find a trad publisher tiktok and and social media as a whole has really revealed the ins and outs and the confessions of trad publishing and made it clear that trad publishers are you know not all they're cracked up to be i mean i can still crack open a a kindle right now go to a traditionally published book and if i read through it long enough guaranteed i'm going to find at least three or four typos and that's after four or five different uh, after a development editor and after a, a copy editor and after beta readers and that still you're going to find a couple of typos i have read indie authors who write in the exact same detail and in the exact same feeling as just regular average traditionally published people. So I, I cannot, but the problem is, is that you have to get yourself out there and you have to sell yourself and you have to sell your work. Now, uh, in some ways, like I believe it was Wattpad as well. And you, you found your readers through Wattpad. Yeah. And unfortunately, Wattpad, by and large, when it comes down to it, Wattpad is uh, very heavily uh, influenced by uh, ladies, first of all. Secondly, <laughs> it's exceptionally um, young. And I don't mean to, to, to dismiss younger people on this. It's only that I am, my writing usually attracts an older crowd. And yeah. the older crowd is usually not going to be as willing to, they don't seem to often. They don't know Wattpad exists. When you told me about it, I literally was like, what the hell is Wattpad? It's just another app. Yeah. They don't even know Wattpad exists. So, so um, or that any other, there are other free sites or, you know, sites where you pay with coins or whatever, and they don't even, they're, and they're very platform centric so they're hard to reach brandon has the demographic he's trying to reach it's not necessarily an easy demographic um there are some crossover readers from historical that love paranormal too that he could could reach but it is a harder demographic and on on tiktok it's there's not there are historical writer readers and writers but 
he is so outnumbered it's not even funny so (laughs) and i yeah he is he's outnumbered and it's funny because people are so ignorant these days he will state a historical fact on tiktok and women will argue with him and it's a historical he could show them and they're like well you don't have a college degree to so you don't know anybody and know anything and i'm like he could show them hook line and sinker where the history is they don't care so yeah not all online interactions are fun that's for sure yeah unfortunately and this is one of the things that i bring up with with uh with other lady authors and and romance authors and i we know charlie nottingham we know uh we know, we know, uh, and I was mentioning Kennedy Sutton. Then there's like people like Skylar Mason and whatnot. They all write very much uh, contemporary stuff, and they're they're amazing authors, and they're very connected to the times. So they're very much driven by the politics of the times. Yeah. And when you write a when you write a Omega verse, a fantasy, or a uh, historical, you fall under su- subgenres that are not they they're not directly tied to the times you know so it's not there's not as much political drive like twitter the reason why i have largely fallen silent on twitter is because it is so heavily politicized uh on facebook heavily politicized and also much more difficult to reach readers because frankly on facebook i have a i have a page but I get more random uh, people who just suddenly find me and then follow me. And I don't even know who they are. I don't know what their occupations are. I don't know what they're doing and trying and you have to promote, you have to advertise, you have to pay money to the monster that is Facebook or Instagram. But as I was saying, I'm sorry, my ADD brain is going off. Okay. Hang on a second. Let me circle back around. So (laughs) fantasy Omegaverse, these two kind of like are adjacent to each other. So they have a very good wide audience and the romance and the smut can all fit into that one big hole and that big group. And they can all chatter, you know, chatter and have a great time so long as there's no drama. But meanwhile, then over here, you have the contemporaries who are driven by all the politics of the times. And they're, you know, of course, this also affects the fantasy writers. So they're going to kind of coalesce with them. The historicals, meanwhile, are over here, and while they get heavy on the politics, they're not selling their books. And in the process, they're just basically just, you know, they're they're pushing more politics than they are pushing their book. Now, there are some authors out there like Sarah McLean. Sarah McLean puts very strong feminist ideals into her her stories. Um, I would almost argue to the point where it almost breaks character. She didn't um, used to. She didn't used to. And I um, stopped reading her when she started doing that because yeah, and, I'm not and, I'm and not this is why when I write when I write Constance and I write uh Paloma and I write these other characters, yes, I'm writing kick-ass characters. Yes, I'm writing quote unquote what you would what you might define as adjacent to feminism, but they're not feminists per se. They're not no and I think people are missing out because they don't realize, you know, they just think that it's, it's people are, you know, people are people. That's one way to say it. People are people people and we, we like our safe spaces and we like our, 
our expectations to be met. And, and it's one thing to say it's one thing to say for, that we need a safe space. It's another thing to invade another person's boundaries and then say that you're you're talking over my safe space. That's the difference. Yeah. There has to be a certain set understanding when it comes to historical. You understand that you are you are in for yes as you define it misogyny. Yes, as you define it, it's not the same technology. We were not talking on phones, you know. As a matter of fact, it, even just the uh, the idea of a woman reading and writing in, say, the eighteen in eighteen twelve. Yeah. Over over sixty to seventy percent of the population couldn't read or write. Yeah. So exactly. Already, you're already dealing with the upper thirty percent of people who have either self who have either self taught themselves to read or write. And then there's an even a, a, like a 25% chance that they can do sums. Actually, no, I should say I should say that more like 50% can do sums because farmers and whatnot could actually do sums for their crop yields, at least. I just put but it out there and say I'm writing well. misogyny. I just, you know, if you don't like it, don't read it. <laughs> it just makes it easier. It's a misogynistic world. But she's um, a dominant sub, so it's kind of, so it fits. Well, that. not only does she do dominant sub, but I know she also likes to do the size difference the big and small i know that's <laughs> oh, one yeah. of your favorites no it's all over the top so you know my first book be, when i was on wattpad i used to have a list of um because i was kind of making fun of tropes and kinks i used to have a list of all the kinks i have a bingo game actually that i used to play on facebook <laughs> when i'd play the game of of kinks you have tried you can find all of these in my books um uh yeah, no, I, I do. I, I, it's all over the top. It's all kind of um, making fun, not of a, not of a Puritan culture, not of a feminist culture, but of a, of a judgmental um, kind of uh, looking at romance and intimacy. Uh, and um, it makes, I, I'm not really making fun. There's no, you won't see that in the book, but when I was writing it and when I hit those, those kinks and tropes one by one, including the misogyny, including the age difference, because the first book version of that book, my character yeah including the age difference which is massive the first version she was very young and um what would be considered to publish on amazon as underage and there was a reason because at the con at the time there were some massive controversy about um writers romance writers publishing um may december romances with underage characters and um and by underage i don't i i mean the number not mentality, not sexually active. I just mean the specific number. Um, there and something else that you know, Brandon. He doesn't write the spice, and you know, you have to make a decision. Most romance readers who like spice or who have come into spice, many of them like me, come into it very early, and their mothers gave them the book. And by early, I mean 13, 14, 15, 16. They're reading books with intense romantic scenes. So to say, well, you're underage and this is over 18 writing, which really, if you want to put it on some moral scale, I think it is adult writing. I have intense violence in my books too. Um, 
but it's hypocritical because I came into those books. I read them. I read books that I should not have been reading in high school and junior high. And a lot of us have. Well, and it's a very, it's also a very different era now because yeah, it was always the, you find a book when you're younger and you don't realize that it's going to be a romance or it's going to be spicy. There were no trigger warnings. And And now, (laughs) well, and like with the Omega verse that all started as slash fic, which now anyone can go online and find fiction about any character they like and quickly realize, oh, I enjoy romance. Oh, I enjoy spice. It's much more accessible now than it used to be. What is the rule? What is that rule 37 or whatever? Rule 34. Yeah. So the oh, slash yeah. fix is rule 34. If if it's a yeah, it's <laughs> if it exists, someone's banging it. Somebody, yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Brandon. Sorry. Oh no, it's fine. I, I was just thinking to myself, you know, I the today, I mean, they're talking about uh doing sex ed for like first graders. And I'm kind of over here just going, I'm not so sure I feel good about that. But in regards to like the the internet truly has widened our understanding of, of what uh of all the different possible experiences and i think that um romance romance while it while it is advancing with erotica erotica really has kind of pushed forward into the fore as a result of like stories like 50 shades of gray mm-hmm. i watched it happen way before that and it, yeah. uh, in my, and I basically, I actually had guys, I, or rather I had girls, I call them guys because, you know, generic. Um, I had ladies who were basically looking at me saying, um, oh, you, you write like, like old school style. And I'm going old school style. <laughs> I'm you like, do though. I'm like, wait. And they're like, yeah, you write you know, in the style of, you know, there's a story, there's a couple, there's trouble, there's conflict, and there's going to be happily ever after. But you're not, you're not doing like deconstruction or any of this other stuff. And I'm just kind of going, well, okay, so this is, so this is for you guys. This is like, this is, this is the ladies only section, right? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute how am I supposed to sell to y'all if, y- if y'all keep saying like I'm old school? I mean, like they got it anyhow. I mean, <laughs> so, so Brandon's lifetime and SOLN is Cinemax. <laughs> wow. Dang. Just throw me. No. Hey, lifetime's no. got a very vast category, very <laughs> okay. vast library. I I like to think um, there's a book called Cushiel's, I think I'm saying it right, by um, Cushiel's Dart by Jacqueline. I can't remember, but it's a it's a fairly it's a fantasy book. Those sounded like real words to me. Um, Cushiel's Dart. A lot of people have read it. Um, if you have read it, I'm just writing that and I'm putting in the, the scenes that they faded to black that they should have written. Um, I'm 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 doing the. Uh, the HBO version of Game of Thrones. 
there you go. I'm, but I'm writing it out and I'm putting in doing it in romance. Now, Game of Thrones had all a lot of that. Game of Thrones was when it came out. It was very known for he didn't pull, but he actually wrote through the sex and the sexuality as part of the story. And that every sex scene in those books is important. It shows the characters it has meaning it has but it's not romance it's nobody would ever say it was romance so i'm writing not explicit nor is it nor is it let's be and it wasn't explicit or any of that but i'm writing the if you put it on hbo suddenly that you know when um Oh, what's her name goes in and she gets sold and she's just a young girl, but she gets sold to the tribe whose names I cannot remember because I'm just don't remember anything anymore. But you know what I mean? The white haired girl. (laughs) What was her name, Brandon? (laughs) Oh, you guys, you know, everybody knows. Yeah. People are now Daenerys. When Daenerys gets sold. And that scene in that book was very hot. There were a lot of people who wanted maybe a little more with that relationship. You could Google it on YouTube and see the romantic montages people put together before he is killed. So I'm writing that. And I'm just giving readers what they want <laughs> because I would want that. But I like yeah, you're giving it. readers what you want. <laughs> And that makes the writing fun and interesting for me. I don't, um, yeah, I, uh, I say that um, I, what did I post? I posted, I can't even, I couldn't even read it out loud if I have to, but if you follow the hashtag smut revolution, that's all about what I give readers. (laughs) I have. (laughs) And it's about writing. It's writing characters that are character driven stories with plot, with description, with interesting worlds, but not holding back on the um, not fading to black, not. And actually, you guys know me. There are certain words that I don't use a lot of that you might find more in erotica or that you might find in some of the more modern stories that um, Brandon yeah you and I have had discussions about word choice before yeah and I like yeah, to play with I have, words, not, so. I have not read I have not I this one I, I missed apparently so you better refresh my memory here <laughs> word choices or... no what's a what's a word you won't use what's a word I won't use in a um, scene yeah there are no words I won't use, but I don't like to um, I don't like to reduce the scene to just the words. Um, the word I won't use in a scene. There are a lot of words I use in scenes that I won't say in an interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't use them very often, and I only use them if they are required of the character. I don't use them to define for kindergarten school teacher. Yeah, I'm still a little bit of the I'm still a little bit of a pearl cutter. I'm still a little bit of a preschool teacher. And they sound terrible coming out of my mouth. I cannot say them in Mm -hmm. real life. They just sound stupid. You besides that fact, uh, let's be. And this is the other thing is like with when we hear ourselves actually speak these words, we typically tend to realize how it comes out. Do you use those words, Brandon? 
does your female character refer to her anatomy as in yes. words? <laughs> oh, don't, don't, she don't, cut herself don't off. Either, either own up to it and tell me what the heck you're thinking. Come on. No, I'm not. I'm not going to say it. I don't think really you'd use it. those words, though. But and also, they are not t- historically accurate, so you couldn't. <laughs> what? This is accurate. Is it a historically accurate word? No, it's not. Is yes. it really? Pussy is accurate. Pussy, they call it, the, the French oh, called I it. I hate that word fact. so much. And the, and the English called it pussy. Yes, that so was that, actually regular. What is funny about that particular word is that if you read historical romance up until about 2000, 2005, it was not common. It was almost never used. Back then we were still under very puritanic laws with it, or at least puritanic ideals within the romance industry throughout the 1970s, all the way up till the 2000s. If you saw it, it would have been in men's, you know, penthouse literature, but then women started writing Erotica. Women started writing more erotica or romantic erotica targeted at other women and women started using it. And mm-hmm. so they started taking ownership of the word and changed but it. it. But they were using it in the past. I mean, they were using it in the past all the while. The word fuck was around since the 14th century. They were using it, but it wasn't in, in books. It wasn't in anywhere in and books until women yes, started. Exactly. And they and they, the only reason that it wasn't there was because if you were to put it into the, if you were to write it down, suddenly you were instantly going to be scandalized, scalded, and thrown out of uh, polite society or some something. I, this is why I think a lot of people misunderstand that back then you were not going to hear from the grassroots you were not going to hear from the farmers you were not going to hear from the average joe which is why when i read lewis lamour or i read these other authors who actually lived life lewis lamour spent like 20 years of his life going through 50 different job applications or 50 different jobs from tramp steaming to ranching to what have you so when you read his serial westerns, he lived this shit. His writing is exponentially better as a result of it versus back in the 19th century or the 18th century, the very first romance, quote unquote, or rather the very first male dark romance, if you will, that ever came out was out a woman who was raped because she would not... Uh, sacrifice her her purity she was still a part of purity culture and in the process she ended up uh she ended up starving herself to death which book was this it's oh god i read about it like six months ago it was written by a man and it was written by a man it was uh it was a it was a whole thing and you know, of course, you have to read The Silver Prince, which is a book that is out of print now and you cannot get it for less than like 500 bucks. I would love I had a copy and I got rid of it. Um, it's an amazing historical book, but it starts to explore um, themes that became really popular later. Um, yeah, no, there were some it's so fun to watch the industry because it's history 
is so clear in the publishing. It, it you know, you can see the step by step. You can see the differences of where words became um, acceptable and where they weren't, and where they started pushing the envelope. It is. A, I think they um, pushed the envelope a lot when women really began making their own businesses, like your, yeah. like Meryl Pierce and uh, who is exactly. the, the other author that that Laura Lay is the one. You Laura know, Lay. some of these um, Alora's Cave, the ebook companies were ran by women, and I think that um, the what I would like to see, what I haven't seen, and you're starting to see it with the YS. YA, I mean, the young adult fantasy, is I'd like to see some of the crossover of having good fantasy, um, fluff fantasy, not traditional Tolkien fantasy, but but good fantasy still, new fantasy written with more reality in the bedroom. I would, that, if I had a goal um, of something that I would like to see more of, you're seeing more of it now, but it's still not, it's not print. Brandon brought up the difference between print companies and independent indie companies and one of the big things is indie writers get to write what they want and they write at the speed that they want they can publish so much faster and so they are changing the demographic of what writing looks like they are changing how things are marketed i was laughing my daughter was listening to a writing program and brandon you'll laugh she was the the girl on the program she was she was talking about the difference between old school writing and new writing and she was like she she made a comment that you had to have a hook the hook has become so important that if you don't have it within the first chapter within the first paragraph within the first parent or sentence you're going to lose your reader and never sell a book ever and you're going to die and you, you must make their eyeballs burn with this hook wow. and how important the hook has become because of the the this culture of everything needs to be fast and kindle unlimited the free books span if, yeah if you don't catch readers within the first sentence so you lose the slow easy going getting into a book i just read a book called um that it didn't you didn't get to the plot to like the 25th chapter it was an amazing print book but you had to take time with this book <laughs> and it um oh, you susan, have a lot more patience than i do 25 it, chapters is overdoing oh, no it was susan cook it was a fantasy magical book i think susanna cook i think um uh mr uh oh i can't i'm terrible with names i'll have to tell you later but i'm it sorry took... jennifer, jennifer armantrout did that with from blood and ash and while i i absolutely find i i found the story to be passable um i was surprised to find that they called it spicy i was like this is sometimes this is people don't know the difference some readers, you know, they yeah, haven't like, haven't met spicy yet, and it's always they, great they, to I, introduce them to that. <laughs> they, 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 they they know spice. They don't know steam. you haven't met, you know, a graphic. If 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 there's not, you know, if you don't have to change the sheets in the scene afterwards, you're not really spicy. Um, you know, <laughs> you like all the details and all the nitty gritty. Constance has Griffin come in while she's peeing and she kind of <laughs> she literally she has to cover herself up she's like you know because she's you know Regency and she's like stop it's not right and he's like 
I just spent an hour debauching your pussy with my lips, gorgeous. But if you if it really does bother you, I'll just turn my head away real quick. And he just turns away and lets her finish her business. And he's like, we, it doesn't matter. You know, and one of the reasons See, I do that. That's true romance to me is being OP in front of your partner. If I can't do that with my partner, we're not really partners. Yes. You yes. can't pee in front of your partner. Which is why I put it in there because I was like, you have to be willing to understand that the bodily functions of men and women do not matter. If she has to pee, if you have to pee, oh, well, it should not make you gross out over each other and go, ew. If there is ever an ew or a yuck, it needs to be resolved ASAP so that there can be no freaking way for there. And I, I, I tie it up to spiritual warfare or to uh, my Christian beliefs or my morals, if you will. But I tie it up to this. If you allow for that sort of schism in or schism in your relationship, somebody else will either try to take advantage or to introduce doubt. And sometimes it's not even just it's just for the drama of it and you don't need it. So I always try to give conflict resolution either immediately through words or from, you know, just the way that they interact with each other. I don't like I, I hate the miscommunication trope. Um, I mean, it can be fun sometimes. Oh, yeah, that's where yeah, all too much miscommunication is not a is is one of those tropes. It's just not fun to explore. It's one of those where you just like you just want to grab the character by the shoulders and just shake them and go, just talk to each other. All right. I don't know if it's a trope. So or pretty a much any Jennifer device, Aniston though. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so speaking of bodily functions and things like that. This is a debate that's still going on with this show and with my friends and stuff. What's your take on shower sex? <laughs> well, I only, I, like I, I said, this is a very hotly debated. All my books, really. all my books have some kind of, I think all of them have some kind of water scene because the intimacy of washing your partner is for for the women in my books it's always been a big deal however the i also have a podcast about shower sex where i was having conversations with other people in embarrassing moments and you know the if i had to write it contemporary it would be a lot funnier i think then it would be in my books where I get to have waterfalls or really unique. Yeah, you get a nice of, lake, you know, and... big tut, big giant pools of water, you know, hot tub. Common trope. You know, if I had to write it modern, I would. Is trying to put it in a porcelain tub. The, the U.S. of A. has way too many porcelain tubs, and porcelain <laughs> is slippery as all get out. You need to either have stone granite you have to have either a waterfall with very small pebbles at the bottom you need something with grip there boys and you're, girls. You're or how, or how romantic is it brandon out of a bucket how, do you how romantic is it to have a shower with the little grippy ducks glued to the yes, bottom of duckies. it to <laughs> try and be romantic my whole and hot podcast when you have was little... about the ducky grippies <laughs> the ducky grippies really are you kidding me with the that just makes everything so much more erotic 
you should i should repost it because i was talking to a um she writes contemporary kind of erotica so she's writing smut pure smut and um she's from england though she's got a great voice so we're talking about the duckies and it was a Quack, quack. Oh, I wish I now could. Re- yeah. See, did if I don't do the, have the name written down, or what? What? Beg your pardon. Does she include? Does she include toy play in this shower scene? No, you gotta have. Well, no, we go off. We created a whole scene that was <laughs> while we're laughing, like you know. See, now that just reminds me. So you bring is- that up. That's that right there. So the whole shower reality versus the fantasy the Mm -hmm. the fantasy that women single women or women who aren't haven't been in a lot of relationships have of that kind of water play is a lot different than what the reality much more romanticized and so getting to write it in a romantic way is fun and i think it's something readers enjoy they're not putting reality into every moment of that they if you can catch them up in the the fantasy of of what they it's like beach interactions right yeah which i have never had but i've heard about okay the sand issue just me going to the beach and swimming in the ocean as a kid you can't walk into the pacific ocean and not come away with that sand in places right well you can't walk into the pacific ocean and manage to get anything into a hole yeah (laughs) everything's tucked up inside you in that weather in in the cold water and so the whole scenario there is never gonna is never gonna work in any kind of real way but if you stick it in a fantasy book which i did i had an orkai wash the first thing he does when he sees her because she's just been through this massive battle and she was afraid so she she messes herself in the battle she's covered with gore and he's like you stink and she's like what you've just captured me i'm tied up and you're telling me I, you've killed everybody and you're telling me i stink he's like you stink you need a bath and so then he washes her and in a cold lake at night and so you have this scene that is not in any way based in reality and but you get to explore the characters and it's funny gina showalter are always the gina showalter chrisley cole and the rest of the ladies in paranormal and fantasy romance supernatural romance they get around it by either inserting a hot tub scene or they insert a they insert a hot springs like There's with uh, something about water i think women readers enjoy it but the reality is like a lot different clean. than the fantasy of it women like being clean let's be very let's be very clear about this women this like the- being clean men like being clean many women however seem to think that men don't like clean i don't know what is- that is but i know that i when you think about it when you think about how much cleaning is important in a book that you'll have at least one scene where you know somebody's showered or washed or whatever the how common that is it is its own kind of thing i, I never hygiene. thought about that it's hygiene it it's, it's women there must be a hygiene scene in your romance book it is check it off you must i mean realistically if you think about historically brush again, your teeth let me go let me go to my you're genre. gonna go find a stick to brush your teeth no matter where you are going, you're not going to get into a you're not going to get in. And this is one of the things that gets me is like people talk about when they talk about the history and I look at them and I go, you realize you are living in a blessed age right now. We have access to clean, fresh water 24 seven. 
Plus, the, the soap always works, you know, in the... <laughs> In the century you were in, lye soap. You maybe. found a freshwater spring. You were up. You had gold. You had liquid gold. In no, your they're on every island, Brandon. Every island has a freshwater spring. Yeah, every single <laughs> island in the salt water. Every single, every single one's got a freshwater spring. What am I yes, talking about? It's not it's that hard. Romance. You're going to be fine. No, <laughs> no, it, it really is not. I mean, there was... Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's one of those things, and this is also comes up in my ships, is like people talk about, oh, it must have been so romantic. And I'm like, yeah, these boys literally were keeping their water at the very bottom of the hull, and they'd have to rotate them out. Otherwise, the rot from the wood would actually get into the wood, into the water. And that was where grog came from, was because the alcohol killed off any yeah. bacteria or part water, wood. part alcohol. <laughs> There yeah, was you water, talk about cleanliness. There was a body that was mummified. It he was a sailor. I don't know in the 1800s or whatever, but he was mummified. And I remember the documentary very clearly. They're saying the reason his skin is so dark is because he did not wash or shower or bathe for six months. This is mm-hmm. dirt ingrained into the sailor's skin. Yeah, and that was the reality. The the fresh, clean sailing, you know, washing after your moment on a on a ship that you read in most historical novels, not so much. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and that was why when I brought it up in 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 Peregrine or uh, with Peregrine's Lament, I ended up uh, that's the name of the ship. Uh, I included a couple of early showerheads. And basically, they would use fresh water from local uh, storms. And some of it they'd use to wash their clothes. Some of it they would use for drinking. Some of them they would they would use it for a quick uh, for a quick dunk. But the most you're going to get is like maybe a bucket, and then use that to wash yourself off. Get the most, and it's like that in the military. You get a bucket, you lay it down, grab your rag, pits between the legs preferably up the crack of your ass if you please and then you know a couple of other places like say the feet and maybe that maybe maybe the the legs or the back of the neck but other than that what, what are you going to wait for you, you dump it over the sea you're done all right get <laughs> yeah. back to get back to work my first book has a shower scene in a in a a building that has no electricity that has been damaged by battles it's um wasn't rebuilt after the the kind of reformation um and it is in a bucket connected to a water tower on top of the building um and there's size difference so he's seven feet tall and she's about uh, five six five seven maybe and um so i did the reality thing and she was in her heat and he was in but he couldn't do anything because they were literally in a little tiny shower with a bucket and um it was a funny scene it was an interesting scene to write and i tried to be realistic in that particular scene because there were elements that i was bringing out but in general if i'm gonna do a water scene um yeah you take it out of the fantasy you add the fantasy and it was probably i don't think i wrote about she was in her heat so she wasn't cold she was standing in the cold it's just a bucket right so you're freezing to death but you know she was in her heat so she wasn't actually 
cold or anything. Um, she was overheated in, in many uh, ways and kind of out of her woman, mind. Any woman would tell you that if you get hit with cold water, it doesn't matter how horny you are. If you get hit with cold water, the odds of you staying horny are this no, is what you no, get with no. an omegaverse she's not human and the heat yeah. overwhelms everything get, else yeah. and plus you get the easy they, fantasy writing you had to wash because they were covered in blood so you know you couldn't not wash so <laughs> i don't know some people are into the blood yeah i i'm i yeah I, we're not going to talk about how many um intimate scenes i have that result after a bloodbath we're just not i'm not going to go i don't want to examine the psychology of that today yeah All right. there are a certain kinks that i will not like blade play or or it's or not meant play. to be a kink it's not i never listed that one as a kink it has more to do with the uh the alpha side of the character than it does the actual oh, so it's more of your own subconscious kink i get it no <laughs> no it's that it's that warrior thing that you see you know what it is you want to talk it is that scene in the movie excalibur when he comes back from the battle and goes into a grain that's what it is <laughs> yeah. you know what i'm talking about <laughs> All right. Well, we're coming up on an hour and a half here. Oh, we need to end this. I got to go. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not so, in trouble. <laughs> uh, I'll let you guys kind of say where our listeners can find you online and let you talk about your books a little bit. Go ahead, Brandon. No, as well. And you first, ladies first. <laughs> Um, I'm Iswellen Wright, and you can find me on Amazon. Subscribe to my um, author page. That's the best way to get updates about books that are coming out because I am really terrible with newsletters. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Iswellen, um, on uh, Facebook as Iswellen Writes, and pretty much everywhere on TikTok. Um, I have a podcast called Iswellen Wright Stories for Adults that I host on Podbean. And you can find that on pretty much everywhere. So, All right. And I am Brandon, Brandon Farrow. You can find me on Twitter under the same handle as well as adjacent to Miss Eswellen because I'll probably be commenting under her tweets all the time. Uh, you can follow me on Amazon uh, with my The Glorious Enemies uh, author page. Also, you can find me on Goodreads if you like. Um, and also on tiktok i am on tiktok under brandonfarrow.usa all right and i'll have all of that information in the notes for this episode and you know if you're getting slick in the omegaverse you're probably going to want to change your sheets <laughs> and if you're stuck in the boat in 1812 you might want to use a bucket to shower yourself and get tested <laughs> when you're done and you've have all been listening water, to that you know and a small sheets cruise under. so they don't drink all the water So let me just reiterate the difference between erotica and romance is the erotic journey of one person between the, or the romantic journey of two or more people. I'm still going to reiterate that.
that a romance doesn't have to have a happily ever after. It can't. It have must a have a happily ever after. Happily Don't ever. listen to Brandon, who doesn't know what he's talking ever about. Ever Every book has to have no, no cliffhangers. It can have a happily for now, or it can have a cliffhanger. 